0: your soul like ether, Will. teach you the king you know you Not, son, across the belly, i prove you lost the Brace uh. yourself for the main event, y'all impatiently waiting It's like a AIDS test, what's the results? Not positive, who's the best? Pock, Nas, nice and Big, ain't no best East, West, North, South, flossed out greetings I embrace y'all with napalm Blows up, no guts Left chest, face gone How can I be garbage? Send me autos at your cottage Burner at the side of your dome Come out of my throne I got this Lock since 9-1 I am the truest Name a rapper that I ain't influenced Gave y'all chapters But now I keep my eyes on the Judas With wine, Sophie fame Kept my name in his music Check it Fuck with your soul like ether will. Teach you the king you know you Godson nice. son across the belly Lose. I prove you lost already uh. Ayo pass me the way Put my ashes out on these niggas man. No hey yeah, yo, you faggot, you kneel and kiss them on fucking ring. Ah. Fuck with your soul like either. You the king, you know you nah. got across the belly. I prove you lost the battle. Uh. Fucked
1: over. All right, we are back. I guess I always say we're back and then I'm like, "Yeah, is this different because it's a special special news report." Blah, 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 blah. Breaking news from a couple days ago. We didn't get into it. And we are I was i was, stardom's Judas um name coming from, obviously, the man of the hour that we're going to be speaking to, but also our guest, Alex, Noah's underscore savior, uh, writing, coming back to uh, violent people, uh, excited for that, Um, and we're joined by (laughs) senior Joshi correspondent for the podcast, the JML. Jay, how you doing tonight?
2: I'm doing okay. It's just been a crazy 48 hours, I would say, since Sunday.
1: Yes, yes, it has been a crazy 48 hours since Sunday. Um, obviously, tons to talk about. We're here to talk at uh, a breakdown NXT Vengeance Day. Um, I don't know what you guys thought, but uh, you know, trick whoop that trick all over. Uh, Ilya Dragunov, I was super excited. Uh, no, um, we're here to talk about all of the big news going on with uh, stardom Ogawa, ah, Rossi Ogawa the news everything breaking everything as it's going alex i guess you got your notes you got your timeline i know you're chomping at the bit to just get into it so like yeah like (laughs) give the overview what's going on um kind of heard some things here and there heard a lot of i feel like bad (laughs) not good opinions reporting all this and that um what was your instant i guess reaction and then kind of uh yeah the the as we were talking about before we started, the context and the history here.
3: So I was actually shutting down at work, and I saw my phone had a ping from the Violent People Discord from you, Tim, and it's like, "Where's are savior, yes. and I look, and I saw initially, I was like, I just laughed, and I was like, yes, and then I started reading on Twitter, and eventually, after work shut down, I was just sitting in my car, like, I was originally planning going out with friends, I was like, hey, uh, vibes are bad, I'm going to you know, just go home, being a total nerd. I'm sitting in my car, just reading all the news hitting. And the first was like, he was poaching talent. And the original rumor was like, oh, is he poaching talent for WWE? And then eventually comes out that, oh, he might be starting a new promotion. And that's where I had to hit the pause button. It's like, why now? Like, you know, it's easy to say, oh, you know, hashtag yen, now, yen down, but The bigger thing, the end hit its historic low against the US dollar like almost two years ago, blah, 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 stagnant economy. This economy has been stagnant since the nineties, whatever. It's not what I would perceive as a good time to start a new promotion, but bigger than that, it's like, why are we starting from scratch? Like, yeah, losing creative control over something you made, it can suck. It can be really weird. You can go through a lot of emotions through that in different types of industries, but this isn't 1997. This isn't AJW limping to into financial ruin, not giving a damn, saying, "Hey, if you're gonna leave, you can leave. We just don't have the money. Do whatever." This is the largest joshi promotion in Japan. This is a corporate-owned wrestling promotion, and the fact that he was you know, in there wheeling and dealing, it's like, hey, I didn't extend my contract, you know, come February 2024. I'm going to head out. Do you want to head out with me? Like, who are you, dude? Like, yeah, (laughs) your your bosses are going to get mad. Come on. Like, I don't know why people would be shocked that Road isn't happy about this. Who would be happy that one of their you know producers and promoters out here in the locker room going it's like hey when i leave do you want to jump ship with me i'm going to make something new are you this like here just like me you know the management here is kind of shitty do you want to just head out you know come march when everyone's contracts are up like yeah no shit they're mad and yeah they got out ahead of the story from rossi because that man loves to talk to the press and yeah that's what happens you can get terminated. Your contract's gone. It's yeah. And I'm gonna let JML talk because he probably has way more details about yes this, this specific situation than I do.
1: Yeah. Um. <clears throat> I guess before before Jay getting into it, like um, there was so much, like just random weird rumors and speculate. I guess that's just like Twitter. That's the internet now. Um. And like as kind of <laughs> I I know I think even you were saying like the stuff has kind of already been out there a little bit hinting here and there and then now the dust has settled and stuff is more clear but yeah Jay like uh, kind of give your initial thoughts when the when the story started breaking wide
2: okay so for me I was ironically watching the Grammys um, Sunday night it's funny how like this reminded me of the night uh, we watched the Oscars live like I know I don't watch these. Award shows live, but i I got this, and then when I watched the Oscars, I saw the Will Smith slap. So <laughs> we did a show on that years ago. But um, with this, um, I saw news item. It just popped up and kind of just translated the tweet. Um, didn't tra- didn't actually read the article, and now it's on me. And I retweeted saying, "Hey." Oh, uh, so he, Rossi, Rossi O'Gawa got, it's end of the era, Rossi O'Gawa got really, you know, and his contract got ended, but in reality, his, he didn't sign the five-year extension. And that kind of set everything off, like people were retweeting me constantly, and I was just like, oh, I didn't read the, the actual article, so it was bad on my part, but I got that because... Um, for the last couple of months, I've been tweeting out either on Blue Sky or on X, formerly known as Twitter, um, basically saying, like, hey, anybody knows, does anybody know if Rossi Ogawa signed his new contract deal? And I, and nobody said anything to me, um, and it's because I found this out via the Observer board. Um, it's weird because, um sonny gutierrez who works for stardom and is um does the stardom account and is a videographer for them camera guy and edits videos he talks on the observatory here and there gives nuggets and for the most part it's it's a it's a silent agreement that you don't like you know tell everything that he says which is cool like you know promoters get on the board and, and talk all the time like, you know, Dave Frazak and all that stuff, right? But but you'll see it here and there, and you recently saw it with Sonny talking about Starlight Kid, you know, people screenshot it and spread it all around, which it was a, it was a bad, bad thing he said, but I won't go over it, but um, you know, people, I don't know if it's reading comprehension, but people were looking at that and going crazy, but in the last couple of months, as you know, me going on the board, I would barely go on the board to begin with. But if I scroll through the SARM thread, I'll see these nuggets here and there, and just keep them in my mental Rolodex. The biggest one was this. It was, and it actually popped up the first time was last year in not last year because last year's twenty twenty three in two thousand twenty two in December two thousand twenty two he mentioned that Rossi Gallo signed a five-year deal once he sold Starman Bushiroad fight and had an option for five more years. So I kept that in the back of my mind, like, hmm, that's interesting. And then lately, in the last couple of months, Sonny's been kind of sounding the alarm, like, hey, Road is kind of taking over everything. They're stepping over his booking. He's 66 years old. I don't know if he's going to come back. Um, before, it was all hunky-dory, and he was saying, like, uh, he's not going anywhere. You know, he's going to be with Storm for a long time. Uh, Bushi really lets him do his thing, blah, blah, blah. It changed dramatically the last couple of months, and he's been silent. And he's been firing the alarm, basically just trying to tell people, hey, he might not come, and it was telegraphed for months. So, for me, I kept tweeting. I'm like, hey, when did he sign it? Did he sign his contract? That's the big that was to me that was the biggest story because I knew the dominoes would fall. And once once I saw that news, I was like, oh, when he got released from his contract, I immediately thought, oh, he just didn't sign it because early in the day I did see the Star Supreme Fight show. And I thought it was interesting that Mike uh, after after the the the, mat, the main event match with Saya kamatani she called everyone out, basically the whole roster, even tie cal- called him out. Even called Ross, Rossi by name to come into the to the ring and take a group picture. I thought that was interesting, but I was like, "All right, it's the 13th anniversary, something different." You know, Micah's the new champ. She wants to distinguish herself. Blah blah blah. I, I was like, "All right, that's cool." I didn't know it would be this, and I was thinking. Then I tried to piece two and two together without even reading. The article, like the press release they put up, thinking, oh, well, it makes sense. He probably gave notice. This was his last day, whatever. Then I opened it, and all hell broke loose. I was like, oh, shit. Like, for, for him to poach talent, it's like, oh. And my mind just started racing, like, what other stuff was Sonny talking about? So I quickly scrolled through the board for stuff, and it's been, it kind of lines up. Um, yeah, it's just, it was, it's been wild and we'll get into other stuff, but yeah, it was just wild from there. And it's been, um, after that, you know, Taro Okada, his name Booker of stardom, you know, quote executive producer, which is really in, in, in Japanese wrestling, that's basically the Booker title, um, so he's been placed as the he's the booker and also he's like one of the directors for New Japan, like New Japan Pro Wrestling. Like he's right under Tanahashi as president. So um this makes him now one of the biggest power players in Japanese wrestling. Um and Rossi's on the outs. Rossi gave an interview in Tokyo Sports saying that um after the they basically took the picture he went backstage and Okada fired him and put him in the cab and sent him home. Like it's it's some wild shit. <laughs> and um we'll get, yeah. some, get some more, but it's just fucking like the more like people are, are trying to get that it's like both sides are just trying to play the media and get ahead of it, and it's just been it's been crazy. And then there's Dave's reporting, which is also nuts. <laughs>
4: um yeah,
2: you know, you add it into um him trying. Him basically denying about uh WWE and um Tony Khan, you know, tweeting by Rossi, which was one of the, I was just like, what? <laughs> I had to check like at least five times Tony Khan <laughs> talking about that. Like, yeah, like I've I'm, I'm rambled to on, we could talk about this stuff, but yeah.
1: Well, Tony's feeling himself. I mean, he's been tweeting hard. I mean, got unfortunate, got some, some major dunks off on, on, <laughs> on John. I felt bad for him on that one, uh for them yeah. on that one. Um, but you know, it happens, but took it well, took it well. Um, you mentioned a new executive producer (laughs) of Sardom Okada there. Um, and I wonder if you've gotten any better information or maybe seen this out, if like it was an odd translation, because there's a statement and people are kind of hung up on it about his history with wrestling and his background being like, a member of a wrestling cl- club in college that put on wrestling shows it said right um and i've heard people kind of say like this like oh you did fantasy booking in in college and that uh, you know gives you the right to book a professional wrestling show but as you mentioned he's already the director in new japan um and has been involved in around wrestling as a professional for a while here but like also, what is that do you know if there's any more to that meaning about his background in, in the college wrestling club?
2: Well, it's it's kind of weird because um certain universities around Japan they have like wrestling clubs. And um there's one that's like UWF that I think men's teo runs actually and um stardom's Hanako, the rookie. Um that people have seen she was part of it um her former name was uh Risa fella which is kind of funny i think she was a seamus fan um you know she she used to wrestle like on the shows when she went to college and um did that before you know quote unquote turning professional and um going into stardom um and actually in between that she was with prominence but but yeah like it's not it's not uncommon that you hear about like actual like wrestling clubs um i know um i think Masadio shino was in a wrestling club and Naruki doi were in wrestling wrestling clubs too like in like pro like pro wrestling clubs like not like amateur wrestling but like pro like they do like shows and stuff like that so right yeah like like it 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 doesn't surprise me but i think a lot of people just like oh like oh like backyard indy fed or something like that or or he's like fantasy booking, but it's, it's not that. Um, No.
1: Yeah. I I did. I figured it wasn't, but I just, when I heard people saying it, I'm like, I don't think that's what this is. I don't think this is, he was just running an E-fed with his friends in college.
2: Yeah. Yeah. And if I did, if I spent some time, I could probably dig up and find like, he probably wrestled like all those, all those, like a lot of people who wrestle, they'll, they'll, especially a lot of the guys, they'll just wrestle under a mask. Um, before going into like actual pro wrestling. because I see a lot of like the like the GTO guys, they're like really skinny and all that, but they you can see they're they're coming from like a re- actual wrestling club, you know, and, and stuff like that. So that might be my project for the next next year or so, just <laughs> try to find just, them, just researching, and investigating like these actual wrestling clubs. I'm just yeah, so but
1: yeah, well, but that's something economy, I've always yeah. recommended. Oh. I was gonna say that's something I've always recommended for any young guys getting in the biz who might be listening wear a mask to begin with just you know when you're not that good put on a mask and then take it when you get good take it off it works it works out it's like the one smart thing that uh, that uh, quackenbush ever came up with um, his problem was that he never a lot of times would never have his guys take the mask off once they got good um, Alex We've been kind of rambling on. Was there anything you wanted to respond to there or any other thoughts that kind of came across uh, as we've been chatting?
3: Um, So my initial thought is, and I made a tweet about it that kind of blew up. I wasn't expecting that. Um, So there is a precedent for what Rossi Ogawa is doing, and it's not the AJPW-NOAA split. It is the AJW exodus from 1997 when I think I mentioned earlier... AGW was losing a lot of money. The bubble economy was long over. It, the economy was in dire straits. It wasn't good for everyone who were making like real estate and land investments in the 80s. Everything was blowing up in their face. And a lot of companies were losing money. AJW was getting a new TV contract. It was not the same lucrative deal that Fuji TV had traditionally given them. Checks had bounced twice. A lot of talent were... Disgruntled. Kyoko, in a way, was leading an exodus. And when she approached Aja Kong, she learned that Aja and Rasio Gao were leading their own exodus to create a promotion called Arsian. And then I can't remember who or if Kyoko even named someone, but someone made the dig that Rasio Gao was taking all the, you know, quote pretty girls and making a promotion. And, you know, that kind of stung for Kyoko. But This is almost a one-to-one playbook of what he did with He is in the biggest promotion in Japan for women's wrestling. And then also in 97, AJW at that point is the longest running promotion in Japan. So he's in the the biggest promotion for women's wrestling. He is in the office going behind bosses' backs, talking to talent, saying, hey, let's make a new promotion. We're going to do something different. And not only is he poaching from AJW, me and JML were talking earlier, he poached from LLPW and JWP Project to create Arsene. And so hyper-visual hyper visual fighting, Arsene gets started. And that is so much drama. Like, for all the praise people give Rossi Ogawa, you can look at something from Arsene and say, if he's so good, then why did he do this? How did he fuck this up? Like, Arsene Arsene shuts down because Rossi Ogawa sues Aja Kong for damages because of her leaving the promotion. They are supposedly losing out on so much money because their star had gone. And then Aja Kong goes around and says, How are you going to sue me for damages when you told me to leave in a work to shoot? Because Aja Kong wanted to leave in a more formal matter, just a plain, I'm gone, I'm leaving the company. Rossi O'Gawa told her, we can make this into a worked angle. And so, Aja wins the lawsuit. Rossi Ogawa has to pay her north of 700,000 yen. That's when Arsene shuts down and has to get rebranded as A to Z. So, I had made the joke earlier, like, Julia needs to keep notes and minutes of meetings between her and Rossi in case, when this goes to court in a couple oh, years. Oh, no. <laughs>
4: <laughs>
3: but but uh. I mean, it's true, like, there's a lot of hubris, and this isn't 1997, like, AJW was never corporately owned, that was a family business until the end, stardom is owned by a corporation with like legal teams, and actual business professionals, we're not dealing with a bunch of carnies right now, and there's also TJPW, which, you know, is a different flavor of professional wrestling, but it's also a corporately backed women's promotion. This isn't, we're not living in a world where you can use your name, say, I used to work in AJW. I created and built stardom. I sold stardom to a major corporation, got all this money. Follow me. Let's make a new promotion. Because, yes, he did help create stardom. Stardom became successful. But at the end of the day, what's the stability of a Rossi Ogawa project in 2024 or 2025? Like, I think back to when AJW, or sorry, AWG originally shut down and started their reshuffling. One fan made a comment, professional wrestlers deserve to be able to support themselves through just pro wrestling. They shouldn't have to, you know, have second or third jobs or side hustles. And I thought about that when it came out that Roxy was creating a promotion because, yes, he has a reputation both on decades He probably does have backers or he's been saving his money from the stardom sale. But if I was a wrestler, I would have to think, what's the stability of joining a brand new independent promotion right now? Because a couple of years ago, the consumption tax, the sales tax in Japan, it got increased at 10%. Inflation is not slowing down right now. There's a labor shortage it's getting more and more expensive to live in Japan, especially as a single person. And that's what most of these Joshi wrestlers are and historically have been. Young, single people trying to support themselves, often in impoverished conditions. Just look at any young wrestler in AJW. They were living in squalor. It was like Kyoka anyways, first apartment had cockroaches. Akira Hokuto talked about how bad her first apartment was. Someone actually stole her clothes from her um little deck from her apartment once. She was in a bad neighborhood. And it's like, I don't know. Besides, how strong is loyalty to Rasio Gawa, How much is that worth versus stability in this uncertain future in just Japanese society right now? Is it worth it? Is it worth it? burning a bridge with the biggest promotion going right now. And also we're so far removed from AJW and stardom has been so isolated in how they promote themselves. Does a Rossi Ogawa connection, is that worth anything outside of stardom and his own personal project? Does working with Rossi and having a good relationship with him gain you anything in the wider world of Joshi wrestling in 2024?
1: yeah i mean there's a lot there one thing that popped into my mind is like they've been they've been doing this angle or whatever you want to say gimmick or they're presenting julia as the uh the new hokuto but it's all like you said like is rossi actually going to turn her into the new uh aja kong um even down to like weirdly that they're both like uh half you know half japanese and half something else um i was like oh that's that is kind of funny how that mirrors there um and you look at, OK, you mentioned like the money, the money is such a big part of this because. I mean, even if he saved the money from the sale, as you said, what it's, what are you looking at? Like the cut wise just from inflation on how much that money is really worth now, even if he just sat on that or or the idea that that he has backers and he has people that want to support him. I mean, even if you can say he somehow can put it together to get something off the ground, we're talking about, you know, we're not talking about mom and pop wrestling companies even if you're looking at like the 90s the 2000s even the 2010s when he starts stardom to now where we're talking about bushy road cyber agent we're talking about big major conglomerates that are you know in the billions of dollars of valuation not in the not even in the millions of dollars of valuation where is he putting that money you've got the lect corporation also heavily involved in wrestling you know, po- I guess possibly, you know, people have teased like, oh, is that where is he going to be involved with them? Like, I, who knows? Right. Um, it seems odd that they would be interested in in Rossi. And it would also seem odd that like with the point of this, what would be the point of this if his plan is to then just get involved with another big company like that? Um, I guess it would be the only thing that makes sense. But it's just like, OK, what are you what are you doing? You're just putting yourself in the same position you're in now, except for you're starting from scratch and having to build yourself back up to the top. Um, And beyond all of that, I think the biggest implication, even like past, you're talking about something that's like a very big work. It's a lot of work. It's a lot of struggle. It's a lot of hard hours. And you're looking at a 66 year old man. He's going to be 67 in a couple of months. Mm -hmm. is that the guy who's start who's doing this is that the guy who's poised for this like jay like what do you think about again like everything alex was talking about there and then kind of my little my little diatribes as well like uh, if you're a big time corporate backer are you looking at rossi ogawa and going even with his track record and even with maybe the idea that he has these connections are you saying like oh yeah that's the guy like we want that guy helming our promotion i mean he's got baggage on top of everything and he's fucking 67 years he's going to be 70 in a couple of years is that you really think you're going to get off the look at look at AEW we're going into year five of AEW and you've got a moderately young guy um I want to think that he's young because he's only a couple years older than me right but even him it's taking this much we're five years in if you're looking at five years six years for Rossi now we're looking at A 70 year old man are we do we think that he's really got what it takes to continue on down this road
2: yeah it's it's that's the thing that that kind of shocked me with the whole new promotion thing it's like dog you're about to i'm not gonna say you're gonna kick the bucket but like um shit i just saw one of one of the people i kind of looked up to in carl weathers who was like built like a brick shit house and he died (laughs) <laughs> in his 70s, I mean, so
1: <clears throat> even you know, you don't have to be mean about it, like you said, you're not saying you're kicking the bucket, but like, there is no doubt that you've got more behind you than you have in front of you, right? <clears throat> That's just it, there's no question about that,
2: yeah. So, with Rossi doing this, I know he's gonna have he's gonna take his staff because the thing about with stardom is that he had a small staff um before the sale and um. Ironically with him, he was the only contracted employee from that staff for Bushy Road Fight. Um everybody else, it's basically like um they're kind of like working freelance, even though they do get paid from like their paychecks do get paid from Bushy Road Fight. Um, they're not contracting Bushy Road employees. So Sonny or or there's another guy named Mr. Masamura. Um I think the I think um couple of referees too, they're not contracted to Bushi Road fight. They're 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 basically hired through Rossi. And if Rossi's gonna take them, then um it's gonna be basically same old things always, you know, in terms of the wrestling. Now what helped Rossi with the of uh, the other stuff in terms of merchandise, that was all Bushiroad Road fight and all and, and locating venues. Cause you gotta think I've been watching Stardom since 2015. Th- throughout that time, they avoided Yokohama Bunker Gymnasium like the plague. They never ran big, big arenas. They never like Osaka. Like they just did the, just did the Supreme Fight pay per view from Osaka Aeon. Um, they never went there before Bushi Road. Um, they never they only went to Sumo Hall once. They've they've run it at least five times already. Um, they never went Budokan Hall like. These big buildings, and I think it was, it was smarter than Rossi because, like, he would have been shit out of money, you know. But, um, th- but them never going to Yokohama, Bo- uh, Yokohama Bunka Bunka Gymnasium was kind of surprising because Oz Academy used to fill that, Big Japan used to fill it up, Ice Ribbon used to fill it up, and Stardom never went to Yokohama. It was just it was kind of kind of interesting to me. So, like, he was he was smart, you know, trying to get by with the money, but. Um, With that, like to me, he if he does a new promotion, like Alex says with Arshim, we were talking about Arshim before. Like all of a sudden, when Arshim popped up, he had distribution, Um, he had money back as in sponsors and distribution with Direct TV locally in Japan. Um, So with this new promotion, he has to have something up his sleeve. If he doesn't, then he's again he's more of a carny than anything. But um, I know he's friends with Shinshiro Takagi, um, who's, you know, president DET and president of Cyberfight. So to me, all sides to me in my gut thinks that they're they're going to be going, or this Rossi promotion is going to go to Cyberfight because the point is, is that with stardom, um, it's a proof of co- what it was, is a proof of concept. And it's also a proof that um, women's wrestling at a high level with production value. Um, was missing ever since all Japan women in Gaia. Like to see see that in twenty 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 through twenty twenty four, it was a real big hole in the market, and you saw that along with TJPW. Not to take not to slight them, but you know with you know women, high women's wrest, you know high level women's wrestling at you know with the production values and all that stuff. Um, you saw that you know statistically, um, they. You, they were beating noah they were being dragon gate at times in terms of attendance and, and that so um and women's wrestling throughout the world not just japan but also in the us it's a market in in inefficiency basically like no one has gotten it right except be, oh, you can credit stardom for for their rise but other than that like wow hasn't gotten right um, there's a bunch of indies, you know, Shimmers basically not exist anymore. Um, Shine, you know, went down, um, et cetera, et cetera. Like, it's hard to promote women's wrestling, not just in the U.S., but also not just in the U.S., um, in just North America, but also in Japan. It's very hard, even though there's abundance of, of women's promotions in Japan but to have the high-level production value and the amount of high-level wrestlers, um, and if Rossi can tell a bunch of people with money, like, hey, I can produce this, then I think he's got a shot. And and I've always thought of this um, ever since the, the start of, of Bushi Road's era of stardom. Like, there's more than enough wrestlers, and you see it with Sukeban. Like, there's more than enough wrestlers to start another promotion to rival the stardom. And I thought that cyber fight was heading towards that road, like in terms of getting the female, getting the women's wrestlers on on the Noah shows. I thought like they were setting up for something. I I thought to me the easiest thing would have been um, for Noah to open up Sem, you know, you know if you remember pro wrestling Sem with the purple with the purple mat and all that stuff, um, just rebrand it as your Joshi promotion and have 15 or 20 wrestlers there. Like, there's enough women's wrestlers to go around um, to compete against Stardom. I wish that would happen, happened, but um, it looked like Rossi got his way out and might just do that. And it's kind of, it's kind of sucky because you don't know what this Boucherud Stardom is going to look like, because um, there's a bunch of shows coming up. Like, um, that's another thing with Dave Meltzer reporting that, um, he's been told that contracts come up in March, which is, which sounds right. Because March, you know, April 1st is the start of the new fiscal year, Japan. So with that, um, it makes sense. It's just that they have a bunch of pay-per-views in terms of the Cinderella tournament. And you have, um, the America show at WrestleMania weekend on the 4th. And then you have the Yokohama um, Show, which basically your all star grand queen, um, um, the show that they did in Yokohama, um, Yokohama, Bud- not Budokan, the Yokohama the last last year, it did over 5,000 people. You gotta kind of equal that. How can you do it with a with basically a skeleton crew now? Because Julia, by all, all points, is going to jump and leave. Um, you gotta think, Unagi Sayaka, who's been killing it on the indies in terms of drawing. Drawing houses, she's gonna leave. Um, there's gonna be others that follow. What what's gonna go on? Like I'm gonna keep a close eye on both, but um I think as I don't like to admit it, he kinda lucked up in this situation. Any other time, I think he would have been fucked. (laughs) But I think he's I think right now he might luck up, even if he's about to be seven years old. Like he really lucked up because there's so much talent out Is as it... freelancers. You know, the thing that really hit me was when years ago when everybody started leaving wave, um, like Yorina Yamashita's and, you know, Ayaka Amada got, got, got ousted, but um, like, like, um, like Vinny. Um,
3: Kaho Kobayashi too.
2: Kaho Kobayashi, you're right. I, um, like uh, Rio Mizunami, you know, she she was she left Wave too. Like a lot of people left that, and that was ironically in the wake of the start of AEW. Like a lot of people left Wave thinking they would go to AEW, and Mizunami got got a shot, didn't stick on, um, which was sad because I think she was one of, one of the better wrestlers there. But but yeah, like. He pretty much lucked up, and it, it's been a domino effect for a while, and he's been able to take advantage of it.
1: Do you think? Do you think it's a, a like a just a one last big play? Like it's not even necessarily because you mentioned like the idea of just partnering up with cyber agent. Is it like a just a cash out? Like he's not in it for the long term, but he is. Like you said, he did the proof of concept. He's where he's at, and he doesn't really see much else. The stardom gig that he has and the situation where he's at would be good if he if his plan was 10 more years or whatever but he's at the point where he's like okay i can cash out one one more big play and just get like a you know a big signing bonus or something crazy like a bunch of money that he can grift for putting together a company with someone like cyber agent um like and another Part of the, I guess, yeah, you know, answer that and I'll, I'll bring up the next bit uh, separately. But yeah, do you think like, do you think that there's a possibility that this is one last big on job for Rossi and it's not even about really caring? Because you said that like there's so many pieces in movement that make sense here. And and you mentioned Unagi and I, she was one that I did want to mention when we talk about it, like the way that she proved that there is a market out there for something else like with her being able to draw the way that she has, um, that he kind of sees that and he's doing the, you know, the eyes bigger than your stomach thing and being like, that should be my money. Like, why is she able to use my platform, make a name and then go out and make all this money? I should be getting some of that.
2: Yeah. Yeah. I think, and I, I agree. I think it's a big play. Um, I mean, the thing about Unagi is we don't know exactly what happened. Um, you know, who's ever talking to Dave, the, basically the gist of it was she had hate backstage with would fight, and it seems to be that way, but it, you never know if it's Rossi or other people manipulating the wrestlers telling him, like, oh, the, the heat's on them, but um, you know, I I don't know, because, like, um, a lot of wrestlers over the past couple of years have been booted out from sardom, like Jungle Kiona and Natsumi Sure and, and you know when Bushiroad first bought the company you know Kagetsu you know the per- first first one knows Kagetsu I'm, I'm blanking on his you Yoshino, sh- yes um Yushino. um and uh Huzuki you know Huzuki came back but you know a lot of people got got basically ousted from from Sardom when when Bushiroad fight purchased it you know, um Cassandra Miyagi, um, who's who's now in glee, you know. Um, I know she did some stuff um this year in stardom, you know, facing Julia, but I found out that was under the guys of Usher of Fight. It wasn't under Rossi. So um I don't know about that. So but yeah, I really do think it's a one big play. Um there's and it's it's weird because like With stardom, you know, they're not, they're tied to a corporation, but they're not tied to like a TV contract. So I was wondering if, like, did, if they, if they were tied to like an actual TV contract, would there be more pushback and, and, um, you know, people having say, saying, you know, keep Rossi or, or have, or get, just get a new booker, you know, and I've always thought in the back of my mind, like, how old he is, um, who's next in line to be the Booker? And now we find out it's, it's going to be Okada, but I always thought, like, there was going to be so many wrestlers and ex-wrestlers that would be lining up for that position, like like Tam and Nanai and Milano, who comes in and trains, trains the girls once a month. Like, there's got to be, like, a new person that's actual, like, a wrestling person that's actual Booker. So, um... I would, I would have thought like that would be the thing, but, um, yeah, I don't know. It it depends on who follows him. If Nanai follows him, then he's clearly setting up for if, if I retire or I kick the bucket, then Nanai is going to be, um, going to be next and leading, leading the promotion. Um, I always yeah. thought it was, I always thought it was odd that Nanai came back. Um, and we have still haven't seen Yoshiko um but Nanai, you know mysteriously she said she had mental health issues and depression and then just basically worked exclusively for stardom the next year so um, i know she did <laughs> stuff here and there but yeah like i kind of found that interesting but yeah. yeah she did a
1: pretty a pretty cool match but <laughs> speaking of unagi with um on the sarism show uh tagging against uh unagi so (laughs) i mentioned that i think on our review of the show that nanai nanai is a pretty shrewd business person the way that she worked herself into the kind of the rivalry with unagi that it was looking there and and that's kind of i think right now it's like the hot hand right you see this person who's drawing money on the independence and doing their own thing and you want to connect yourself um the link to cyber agent thing is interesting. And th- this was the next bit that I wanted to mention um, is because we just got pretty recently like announcement news, whatever that came out about. Gan um, Ganbare pro leaving the cyber <laughs> agent fold, right? Um, and then you could say, OK, that's making, you know, that's that space for a Rossi, you know, promotion. But and I hate to say this because what like cyber agent has three four you know men's promotions but like does it make sense for them to have two joshi promotions um right and like is that I guess is that me am I being like really weird and seeing it that way um and like it's it wouldn't there wouldn't be an issue there or there isn't any reason to even see it that way like I just especially when you compare I guess if you compare djpw to like anything that rossi has done there is a difference it's not similar but when it is just talking about it being like kind of you know the the uh, what do they call like strawberry shortcake or whatever you know the like the fluffy stuff um but it's not he doesn't do like hard no i mean there's some good Arcean stuff anyways um (laughs) like does it does it make sense even if it does look like cyber agent is making space for another promotion to come under the banner like does it make sense for them to have two Joshi promotions? Am I being weird and thinking, like, like why would they have two Joshi promotions? Like, well, they have fucking three men's promotions. So why does that seem odd, you know?
2: Yeah. Like, I've, I've always thought, I thought it was really weird when they bought Noah. Like, I was just like, they have DDT. You know, they already got the, the, sure. The, yeah. One of the biggest men's promotions there, but they have Noah and they really put a lot of, sh- a lot of backing to Noah, where it's DDT is kind of like, they just it's just like it's basically autonomous and does does what it does whereas noah it's like you could see like whenever I, whenever i see Noah, it's just like um they really put the production values into it like 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 the same camera people that does that does noah does the stuff horizon and um all the kickboxing events and all that stuff whereas where DDT is just DDT, you know, um, yeah, right, right. it's just, it's kind of weird, but I guess you could work with that um, in that sense, whereas TJPW is um, one thing and this Rossi promotion is another thing. I mean, um, Alex, I think you told me like um, years ago, like Nobuhiko Takada, and this was, this is before, like years before, like, like Syrah fight and stuff like that. Like, Takata was talking about trying to get the Crush Gals together for an actual promotion and, and stuff like that. So, um, that's why I think, like, it could be, I guess, this Roxy promotion is going to be what Noah is, just kind of like your prestige, um, wrestling promotion where TGPW and, and DDT is like your wacky, fun stuff, you know? Um, yeah.
1: Well, yeah, Alex. I don't know if you have any thoughts on the stuff we've been talking about, but that does kind of transition to something else. I I would like to ask you about.
3: Uh, yeah. So to JML's point, it was Nobuyuki Sakakibara. This was years ago in early Ryzen. Um, I don't know if Ryzen still has a TV deal with Fuji TV, but basically, early Ryzen they had a Joshi wrestling exposition. With, I think, four or five different Joshi promotions. And that was broadcast on Fuji TV. It was a little bit of a big deal because that was the first time Fuji TV broadcasted Joshi Wrestling since the death of AJW. And Chikusa Nagayo asked Sakaki Sakakibara if he could host a Joshi show in Saitama Super Arena. And he said, I can do that on the one condition that the Crush Gals. reunite reunite and perform at the show and this was before Linus Asuka and Chikusa were publicly talking again so that led to nothing because again like I said crush girls weren't publicly talking Linus Asuka was doing very few appearances at Joshi wrestling shows at the time but I didn't even think about a cyber agent angle to this and it kind of makes sense because kind of one of the issues with women's wrestling like Tim was saying you know, you think, why would you need two women's promotions? But then, like, well, why do you need three men's promotions? Like, women's wrestling isn't itself a genre; it's just women wrestling. There's a whole, there are whole worlds that you can do with women wrestlers. Just like some people in Japan, Japanese fans are put off by women doing death matches. It's like women's wrestling isn't a specific style. Like, there are styles. That you see more often. Joshi wrestling than men's wrestling. Like the high speed style. But women can do death matches. Women can do heavyweight prestige. 50 minute classics. Women can do high speed matches. And TJPW prides itself. On being different. Than your regular. Hard hitting wrestling. It's more idol like. Than stardom. It's more you know. Feel good. is more story driven. Than actual prowess in the ring so it would kind of make sense kind of like how ddt is very much different from noah that they could have like a prestige joshi promotion or even doing a joshi promotion or joshi matches in noah because TJPW has gotten an offer match on the large noah shows but on the noah shows with when it's wrestling it's often freelancers like it was um It was Nagisa and Yuki Takaze who were a part of that angle about the reveal of the great Muda's daughter. And I don't know who Muda's daughter is supposed to be under the paint, but Noah has been interested and has been doing women's matches, but they're not using the TJPW roster. They're using the freelancers with actual more traditional wrestling training and do more traditional hard-hitting wrestling matches. So I think from a cyber agent point, it could make sense to have like TJPW and a separate, more traditional Joshi promotion with the high production values that we see with Noah. Because like JML said, the high production values we haven't seen since like proper Fuji TV era AJW. And I'm not trying to slight Athena TV. Watching back Athena TV, it's... A smaller production but it still has a very unique feel and it's you could tell they're trying to get to that younger crowd like they have a lot of like bilingual english japanese presenters so they're trying to get to like a more younger internet a crowd that's more aware of the world around them and less so just focus on japanese entertainment and that was missing for a long time and now we got that again with bushiro stardom we got that with cyber agent TJBW. So, I think from like a business standpoint, we're no longer in the days of like 1960s television where Tokyo Channel 12 literally said, Well, we have one TV show where a bunch of women fight about a bunch of guys with guns. Why do we also need women's wrestling? They're the same thing. And it's like, yeah. no, Charlie's Angels is not the same thing as women's wrestling.
4: But
3: in their heads, women fighting people, same thing. So yeah, that's something I yeah. didn't think about, but it would make sense. Like you have your TJPW and then you have like a more prestige style, traditional style Joshi wrestling fed.
2: Yeah. yeah um, I mean, you, you No, know, I was gonna say I was gonna say like uh you mentioned who's behind under the who's supposed to be playing like his oh, yeah. daughter. I think it's uh it's uh Rico Kawabata, who's with yeah. Marvelous. So yes. um so again, it's another freelancer. It's not like any TGPW wrestler. In ironically with TGPW, a lot of the wrestlers are leaving. <laughs> you know, they're going to they're taking lots and lots of dates in the U.S. Like uh, like Yam wow. Um That yeah. just again oh, and,
1: that has to do with the economy, right? And that's a something that was going to talk about, or I was going to bring up at some point, but we'll get there. Um, but yeah, yeah,
2: yeah. With you have that, that and. Oh, you and Alex, you mentioned, like, um, with Ryzen. Ryzen got dropped by Fuji TV last year, uh, or 2022. I keep saying 2022 is last Dude, year. Dude, years are <laughs>
1: gone. Like, it's already supposed to be fucked up as you get old that, like, you just, like, lose track of time. But, like, I think that the, the pandemic, the COVID thing, like, really fucked us to where, like, we're getting old at the era where also we dealt with, like, we lost just like three years of life. It's 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 not good, and it happened on the new millennium, which then makes it like this weird blur where it's like the twenty twenty years are a blur. Anyways, um, yeah, well, it's not a but, blur, but rising oh, now.
2: Is, no, but I was seeing rising now. They're on Abuma TV, who was uh, who owns CyberFight. So <laughs> <laughs> it, 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 it 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 comes full circle.
1: Yeah, maybe they're finally gonna get their crush gals reunion um but i was gonna say what's not a blur what you know shines through like with crystal focus for old people is the memories of the past even though alex you're like you know younger than us by decades um not that young i guess um but uh you are an adult um rossi's history through all japan leaving um and starting RCN and as you said like even at that time it was like the the idea that he was taking all the pretty girls or at least that was the rumor and maybe that was a bit of a dig it was a as we would call in today's parlance a dunk um and then kind of the beginning of Stardom I I remember having a really awkward conversation with a wrestler who uh, will remain nameless for this story so I don't even make myself feel even more awkward Talking about his significant other, who was also a wrestler. Um, maybe that's giving away enough information where anyone who knows me is gonna figure this out. And saying that um she didn't fit the stardom style at this time because stardom was too like cutesy and too, you know, just like you know, precious, right? Um, and like and RCN was a lot, a lot, maybe it was just the time. RC and to me when you go back and watch it uh, maybe it's just the stuff that I pick if I'm going to look at that stuff just is a lot more hard nose and a lot more like wrestling <laughs> like actual real wrestling style Um, but with Rossi's history it feels like like he's got a, a taste a style like as you talked about he's grabbing the pretty girls and what was the beginning of stardom is like kind of felt like it was that you know more and more it was about like okay cutesy stuff and doing the the fluff and things like the idea that we would say oh he's gonna his company in cyberfight would be the prestige wrestling promotion like as opposed to TJPW like does that really make sense with his background and his history like would it would because like I said Arsian there's stuff in Arsian that I think stands out as like you know prestige high quality wrestling but is that his vision for Joshi wrestling?
2: Uh I don't know because like I it's weird because a lot of the stuff he presents um you know with Arsian like that first poster was like
3: yeah oh
2: my gosh um all of them like <laughs> topless co- covering covering their tops basically and
3: <laughs> The first show was called Virgin.
2: Yeah. Yeah. It's just fucking fucking wild. But at the same well, time, well, maybe he I'm... does
1: fit in with DDT more than because they <laughs> would do the same kind of stuff.
2: <laughs> but at the same time, yeah, I mean, yeah, with DDT, good lord. Like, I've, I've seen, I've seen a lot of naked butts um, from them. Um, but yeah, like, but it's weird because I've seen a bunch of wrestlers who've worked for Rossi's. You know, you know, translate interviews. I'm not a native Japanese speaker or whatever, but um, just translate interviews. Say like, yeah, Rossi lets you do whatever. Like he, in comparing to, like, um, like, like, Natsumi Samiri, she, on like, um, the Mr. Haku interviews, uh, you could tell like she she kind of. Liked working for Rossi because she got to do whatever she wanted, like in her matches. Whereas you could tell, um, in her time in Wave, um, that wasn't the case. Um, like a lot of the veterans and management had like told her what to do because, sort of, like, I don't want to call them like you know, micromanagers, but it, it, I got that feeling. Whereas, um, a lot of the wrestlers that worked for Stardom. they've kind of liked the freedom of just going out there and Rossi just basically books the matches um and lets them figure it out like um I have one story but I'm not gonna I'm not gonna say it because I've been oh. secrecy about it so
1: sure okay <laughs> it's,
2: it's 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 it would cause more issues but I guess maybe I'll tell you and I'll tell you guys uh later but here (laughs) or
1: never i don't i don't keep secrets from my listeners jay you tell me on the pod or you never tell me okay that's and it's fine it's fine with me just um but yeah alec i guess yeah alex feel free to respond to to kind of the 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 thing that i laid out there like is is rossi in the business of of
3: doing prestige Joshi wrestling well when you think about it, it's like for each promotion that he's created, so like RCN and Stardom, there was at least a wrestler who was there to kind of like guide the training, I guess. Like Aja Kong was there in RCN, and um, RCN also did training with Battle Arts. And then, you know, some of those women came from LLPW and they trained with um, Shinobu Kandori, Umaru Kazama. some came from JWP Project, so they trained, trained with. Devil Masami, My Kanzai. And they all came from the world of hard knocks wrestling training where it's like, no days off. We're not taking it easy. You are training. And then with stardom, you have Nanai Takahashi who came from the world of AJW, that same world of hard knocks training. And then, you know, rumor mills about how lately there was drama between who did not didn't want to do training, regular training, and that led to drama backstage and stardom. So, if there isn't some hard nosed wrestler doing training, you can't question whether Rossi Ogawa going to need a prestige wrestling promotion. And that's also to the point where it's like, at this point in time, yeah, Rossi Ogawa's name has value, but what's that value now? Arsen bombed, he side tangent, despite what. The Ogawa fanboys and Fumi Saito say Ogawa did not build AJW. He started in 1977, but we have to remember by that point we had Mak Fumiake, who is the literal blueprint of what a Joshi wrestler was based on pu- that's what the public saw Joshi wrestlers as. We had Beauty Pair already established. He didn't create the Crush Gals. He started getting more power in the office near the end and by the end of the Crush Gals reign so he was really getting power when AJW was transitioning from the singing idol wrestlers into the you know badass legitimized professional wrestling because I can lean into a larger thing I've noticed over the last couple of years it's really weird that the Western wrestling media and wrestling reviewers were advocating and seeing the praises of Joshi Wrestling decades before the established Japanese wrestling press was. Think about all the great talents we had in the 80s, the matches with Jack Arikota, Double Masabi, the Crush Gals. Think about even the early 90s. The established Japanese wrestling press didn't care about women's wrestling because in their eyes, women's wrestling was still idols singing with screaming girl fans. That wasn't the real stuff. It wasn't until we get the universal wrestling cross promotions, AJW dropping the idol singing that the establishment decides now we're getting, this is real wrestling. And now we're seeing men's promotions realizing and further legitimize legit, legitimizing women's wrestling. Like, Places I would have never thought, like All Japan Pro Wrestling, Noah, New Japan Pro Wrestling, having serious Joshi matches, actual exhibition matches, and presenting it to their fans, because the fact that even Keiji Muto said, the one thing Japan can offer to the world of wrestling is women's wrestling, and it's true. Japan, even with the bands of women's wrestling back in the 50s, Japan was the only the country where women's wrestling, the wrestlers got to be actual athletes and were promoted as athletes and got rewarded for that by selling out major arenas, becoming famous, being able to like actually be a wrestler and not just a sideshow. In AJW, the sideshows were the midget wrestlers. Another thing people don't realize, AJW had midget wrestling from its inception until it closed. They were the comedy act. They were the sideshow. The women were the main event. They were the main draw. And now men's promotions are finally realizing, like, Tokyo Sports only in the last couple of years decided that there was a women's match good enough to be nominated for match of the year. They didn't create their women's MVP until, like, I think, 1994. So think about all those great all-time matches in 1993 getting no recognition from the established wrestling media because it was women's promotions and there was still this stigma that women's wrestling is idle. They're singers. They're entertainers. They're not real athletes. This isn't the real deal. Like, yeah, it's, I can't, remember, well, I can't it's, remember what I was talking well, about now.
1: I appreciate it because, yeah, it's, it's crazy because they, you know, when people love to talk about Ah, it's the double standard thing they like to talk about the picture books and all that stuff which is obviously you know it is what it is i'm not like a swerf or anything and, and i don't like you know look down on people for doing that kind of stuff if they do it by choice um it's weird when we were talking earlier about like the idea that wrestlers should be able to make a living just off of wrestling which i agree with um so when you're in a situation where it feels like that's part of your job you know and, that you're like not necessarily signed up for um but the comparison goes out the window when we, we mention like, DDT and Dragon Gate. I mean, fuck, man. Dragon Gate, like, goes under the radar for how much of an idol promotion it has been since its inception, really. Like, it's always been an idol promotion that's built around the idea. You know, people love to talk about the, you know, the famous Dragon Gate, you know, female audience, which uh, I guess they don't have much of an audience at all. I got to get my digs in. Um <laughs> To, to measure how many women are in the crowd or whatever. Now at this point, they're just trying to get them in the door no matter what way they can. But yeah, like the fact that they, that even to this day, people do look at it that way that like, you know, so many of the fans at the Joshi show are perverts or it's creepy men and all this and that. I mean, you even see people saying that now, like I did see someone say that as a joke, like, oh, I figured that Rossi just has a whole network of perverts with money that will pay him whatever to watch women do stuff. It's like, Ah, Jesus Christ, can we, even if you're saying it that way, like you think it's a bad thing or whatever, like, just, can we just stop? Can that stop being the touchstone for any time you talk about Japanese, when you talk about any women's wrestling, but especially Japanese women's wrestling, can we just, like, even if you know it's, like, kind of true or whatever, you think it's true, just, like, let's start, if we all start talking about it (laughs) like it's serious... Maybe everyone will start treating it like it's serious. Um,
2: yeah. Now I don't know what used... I was talking about. No, because it usually just goes one way or the other. Because if you see like a marvelous show, there's a bunch, there's a whole bunch of women there, and or like when Wave used to be, if Wave got as popular, you know, and guy as popular as like Guy and stuff, like people would make fun saying, "Oh, it's, you know, screaming schoolgirls," or "Oh, this is just a bunch of le- lesbians watching this show," you know. It, it just it usually just goes one way or the other with women's wrestling it's just kind of always criticizing the the crowd but I mean I did watch that Supreme fight show and there was a lot of dudes there <laughs> so sure but, sure but but yeah yeah but like that it, doesn't
1: mean that they're creeps you know <laughs> like that's my point more like don't assume that they're creeps just because they're at the joshi show like I
3: don't know yeah, yeah. like yeah that's the thing in like that had been a thing almost the entire existence of Joshi Wrestling. Like when it first started, like um, my old AJW magazines from the early, 70, early 70s, they were talking about how like, hey, you should come out to see women's wrestling. It's this really cool thing. These women, this is totally different from men's wrestling. These women are super fast. They're running around the ring. They're doing all these things. And even wrestling reports from the 50s, So these guys were going to women's wrestling shows, expecting it to be a weird pervert thing. And some reporters were shocked, like, oh, they're actually wrestling. I thought this was, like, some, like, you know, titty show. (laughs) This wasn't what I expected at all. So it's, like, this weird cycle thing throughout the history of Joshi Wrestling of people outside and even inside like, oh, they're, like, actually doing something here. I thought this was just, like, a weird little you know, little thing he just went to see sexy women do stuff.
1: Like burlesque or something, right? It's like, it's a, it's a acceptable, socially acceptable stripping or whatever. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Like, yeah, people see it that way, but okay, this is something we talked a little bit before we started recording, Alex, I brought it up, you know, and like this and like Rossi's dynamic with these girls and like, there's a lot of history. And I know that's why when I saw, the Rossi's ousted and the initial reports were so negative because obviously the initial reports were coming from stardom, corporate Bushi road, corporate. Um, and that's where I, even I was just like, Jesus, this is such a big hit to his rep. I can't imagine that a lot of companies, a lot of businesses, a lot of, you know, like big time conglomerates would want to deal with this guy because he's going to come across like he's toxic coming out of this, at least, you know, in Japan. Um, so that's why the WWE angle started to make sense, at least to me, but like his history not only as a wrestling promoter but like his dynamic as a businessman his dynamic you know with within like interacting with the with the talent and something i said like something that mirrors and i'm not you know making a comparison to say allegations wise or anything like that but something that i think is very interesting is that you know the fans is listening to different people's takes and their takes are just oh i'm just so worried that we're not going to see the stardom that i love and i'm so you know enamored with and i think that they're so great and it's going to be not the same company because rossi's gone and actually i'm going to support rossi and the talent that go with him more because i care more about that than i care about the brand name of stardom or whatever and it's like you know, he's such a he has such a great relationship with this talent there. You know, they, they treat him like he's a father figure. And I'm just I'm sitting there and I'm hearing it. And I'm just thinking, like, isn't that what everyone says about Vince McMahon? And with all the stories and all the news that's coming out, like, why is it so easy for Western fans to siphon or silo off this idea that, like, this magical place, you know, this amazing country on the other side of the world, they can do no wrong. We've talked about it on this podcast up and down. I love to say it, you know. Ring the bell, Tim says it again. Japan is an ethno state. It's a regressive ethno state with like insanely conservative values that most, if most American people really actually understood at the level that that they are in Japan on a lot of like social things that we've accepted here. Um, they would fucking gasp. They'd be appalled to find out how conservative it truly is as a company, as a country, not just like politically, but also like societally. And the idea that you like think that this weird dotting old man must be just a saint because these women love him and not possibly a very similar situation as the same, like, you know, evil old man that runs the biggest wrestling company here in America, um, So yeah, Alex, if you want to take a a crack at that with Rossi's history and the stuff that you know about him and his interdealings with, you know, talent and things that people have said, like, how do you, what do you think about this guy? And like the feeling that so many people like kind of paint him as like, oh, he must be a saint because Mayu Iwatani likes him. Like, I don't know. What do you think?
3: All right. So big question. I will answer it. What I will say, um, there's a, podcast out there i've guessed it on i would highly recommend it's called against japanism it takes a deep dive on different aspects of japan, its culture and its history on a leftist viewpoint so what i'm going to say what most westerners know about japan is based off of the fascist meiji era propaganda created by the state that japan is a uh, a harmonious country that is just in an ethno state people don't realize there are indigenous people to japan the ainu ethnic group they are caucasians they came from the caucasus came to the northern island of hokkaido they lived in japan during the jomon era the ethnic majority of japan the wa they came over from china during the bronze age they were the ones who brought rice to japan started cultivating rice completely changed the diet from nuts and fruits and vegetables to rice-based dishes. We also have the ethnic group down in the south on the Okinawan Islands, the former Ryukyu Kingdom. That is its own specific different ethnic group. It's a specific unique culture with its own language. They were forcibly assimilated. They were forcibly annexed into the Japanese kingdom in the late 1800s around the time of the Sino-Japanese War. So Hokkaido with the Ainu, forcefully annexed by the samurai. The Ryukyu Kingdom, forcefully annexed by the Japanese kingdom. Japan is ethnically diverse. But again, like I said, with the Meiji era fascist propaganda leading into the Japanese empire, they convinced the West that this is a single ethnic country that is harmonious. The image of Japan is based off the idea that Japan is all middle-class subservient, harmonious, moving in single movement with each other towards a single goal. There's nothing wrong with Japan. There's no strife. If anything's wrong, they fix it. The phrase that if there's a nail singing its head above the rest, it gets hammered down. That's all leading to the same bullshit idea that Japan is harmony. The current era that Japan's in, reiwa, it means harmonious. Like, it's all a lie. It's all a lie to convince the West of what Japan wants everyone to think it is to ignore the reality. The reality of Japan is that it is a very conservative patriarchal state. This patriarchal state forms in the Meiji era. It is formed in, it's formed base of what Europe was at the time, of the time of the 1860s. And then it manifests It molds itself into a unique way to benefit Japanese society, to create the Japanese empire. Japan looks at the West as a threat. They see what the West is doing to China, and they realize they have to adapt to beat the West. So forget everything you think you know about Japan, unless you've done the research. It's probably based off of false ideas. The idea of Bushido is a lie. That did not exist in the age of the samurai that was created in the Meiji era after the samurai. This was in the bureaucratic age of Japan that Bushido was created by a man who hadn't even lived in Japan for around 10 years at that point. But he sold that lie to the West and the West believed it because it fed into the same whole, oh, Japan is a land of harmony and honor and the samurai did this and that. The samurai by the end of their age were a dead riddled class of land-owning cops that could just kill and do whatever they want with impunity no punishment because they lived above normal civilians so again i'm just want to say anything you think you know about japan it's probably built off a lie what well, i'm yeah, going to get well, into next
1: <laughs> well as you talk about that it's just like i'm just hearing it and i'm like okay that just sounds like so many other things like um during the revolution in china they like they invented the idea of like ancient chinese medicine right like it didn't exist for decades it wasn't a thing they just came up with it during the cultural revolution to say like we don't need to you know we shouldn't worry so much about uh all of these like manufactured um uh pharmaceuticals because we have these you know ancient chinese home remedies that have worked for centuries and it's like you just you're making all this up and then You have the same thing in America with the reconstruction era where they like after the Civil War, that's when they started putting up statues and the history and building up this like great southern legacy of these proud generals from, you know, the southern state. And it's like we did not venerate and have like this historic, you know, amazing, positive feeling towards these people until after the Civil War, which a lot of people don't even realize. And it really fits hand in glove with what you're talking about here with Japan. So it's like, look at something. That much more like hits home that we all know, like right? it's here in our country. And imagine that, like, all of these countries have diverse and deep, rich historical pasts that are very similar. Um, so yes, Alex, sorry for my bit of ten- my little digression there, but just to put it in a frame of context that maybe other people can see as well, like, yeah, like it's it's the same, it it's rough all over, as they say,
3: yeah, like. Japan especially built this image they sold to the West, in part to make the West ignore what they were trying to do in Asia, which was create an empire. And then to keep going on that, Japan is is a traditionally patriarchal society. The male figure is the head of the household. The idea of an individual citizen doesn't happen until, I want to say, I think the 1890s, which at that point is almost 30 years into the Meiji era, modern Japan. Before the concept of a citizen is in Japanese society, the smallest unit of a person is the household. And the household has a male head. And you have patrilineal, it's a patrilineal society. You have the male head, you have his sons, and you have wives and daughters. But the wives are married to men, daughters marry other sons. And so the male head of the house is the smallest denomination of a Japanese self person because that's all that matters who's the head of the household and that leads into the family registry system it's always about who's the male head of the household it's not about the women the children It's about who's leading the family the house of this address that is the center of this japanese society households led by men that leads into the weird i'm calling it weird how everyone's like. Oh, Rossi is such a father figure to all these girls. And I'm not going to deny that because leading into the 20th century and doing the research, it is very important in Japanese society that young women have male figures leading them and directing them and guiding them through adolescence into adulthood to make sure they're not falling down dangerous paths. Women can lead girls to a point But you still need a male figure to control them and make sure they're not going outside the bounds of acceptable behavior. And so we see that in AJW. Despite the public stories about how abusive physically and emotionally, how abusive AJW was, you still have wrestlers, especially like... Dump Matsumoto who looked up to the Masanaga brothers as father figures because they didn't have good father figures in their own lives like Dump, Dump Matsumoto came from an abusive household she went to AJW which is another abusive environment but it was an environment that gave her freedom so she always had a positive view of Takashi Masanaga and his brothers even though she'll tell you that yeah they lied to all of us. They pitted us all against each other. They created a toxic works environment. But because she had a sense of freedom and she was away from her father, Takashi Masanaga became her father figure. This also comes up with how young Joshi wrestlers are when they start training. They usually start training in their teens. Usually, Joshi wrestlers are already debuted and full-on wrestling by their early 20s. So that also adds to the dynamic that these Teenage girls need a male figure to lead them and guide them and be a surrogate father figure. And that comes in with Rasio Gawa. Like, Mayu Iwatani had a hikikomori period, and she also had a rough upbringing. So she was a hermit for a long time. She eventually makes her ways to stardom, and Rasio Gawa becomes like her father figure. I'm sure he is a father figure to a lot of these girls. This also doesn't erase... I don't know anything. Is it an abusive work environment, Sardom? I don't know. I just know that Rossi Ogawa doesn't have a great track record with you know, like make having a progressive work environment. AGW loses its abusive culture and becomes a little more progressive once the exodus happens and all these, you know, disgruntled, disillusioned wrestlers leave the company and they're forced to Pick up the pieces with like three veterans and a bunch of young wrestlers. A lot of the female led independent promotions are more progressive and have what appear to be healthier work environments because their leaders, their veterans came from such abusive places and are now creating more open and more welcoming spaces. Is that happening in stardom? Did that happen in RSIN? I don't know. I can't say. I don't think it happened in RCN. Because that also blew up in Rossi Ogawa's face. So, yes, Rossi Ogawa is probably a father figure to these girls. But it feels infantilizing the way the Anglosphere is talking about how, oh my gosh, Rossi Ogawa means so much to these girls. He means so much to this roster. Of course, like, the majority of them are probably going to leave because they just, you know, love Rossi Ogawa so much. And it's like, that's a power dynamic, dude. Like, he is... The controlling figure of their life because they're a teenage girl or they're a young woman and you know centuries of Japanese culture says that they need a male figure to control them and that's Rossi Ogawa so yeah subconsciously or unconsciously they care about him they like look up to him in a good light because that's that's what they're told they need. They need a male figure to lead them, and that's Rossi Ogawa. So, yes, there probably is a lot of loyalty between him and the roster. Yes, it probably is like a father figure type deal. But please realize that this is how Japanese society says this works. Women need to be controlled by men until they're passed on to their husbands, and then the husbands become their male controller.
1: Yeah, I mean, we've seen it already we saw it like with the, the stuff that happened in the UK scene. We've seen it with the stuff that happens here in America specifically. You know, I reference it enough? I don't need to say it again. Um, that like professional wrestling as is, is already like a weird grooming factory that attracts broken people who get physically abused for a living when they're at a young age and have, you know, powerful people at the top of the pyramid who maybe don't have, the, the 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 wrestler's best interest at heart, but they can't help themselves but feel weak and feel connected to them. Um, we've already seen that. And then you point it out and look at it and like, you know, America is already patriarchal as is. It's bad enough. We're getting slightly better where it's like women are allowed to wear pants now, I think. Um, but in Japan, it's like centuries and centuries of it being much worse. And that was kind of where I started it out. Just how much more conservative the country already is from the beginning so it's like how do you not see that it's going to be the same situation that we've already seen playing out in the west but even worse and the idea that so many people again just because he wears a stupid hat and has dumb facial hair somehow like he must be (laughs) a sweet old grandpa but jay please chime in on your thoughts on rossi Gal. and you know i'm not saying that you have to call him a groomer but you know we don't have to pretend like He's a, he is a saint or something.
2: Yeah. I, yeah. Cause I, I get, I get both sides because, um, you know, he's probably going to be, I don't, it's going to be real interesting with the Mayu Itani, um, movie that's comes out in May, how they portray Rossi because Ross, the story is that Rossi, like, like Alice said, Rossi took her in basically when she was running away from home, um, I'd be interested to see how that is, and um, I know that he's kind of like he was before. He was I always viewed him as a cold-hearted businessman, um, but that was before Hanakamura passed away. So, um, just the aftermath of that kind of saw him in me personally in a different light, but just because of what what happened and what occurred, and um you know, like I know he has a picture of her in his house and stuff like that. So um I I believe he he, he cares about this roster, but I'm really super interested in seeing um who stays because just look at the put down the roster, there's a lot more thirty year olds than you than you think. And when it comes to like what Alex said, like the cost of living in Japan is, is skyrocketing, especially if you live in Tokyo. Um, you know, do you stick with the, the sure thing corporation and get paid? You know, people like Nina Sherkawa, who's like 35 years old and um, like, uh, like, you know, Mori and even Tam, you know, but I think Tam's going to join Rossi, but um, you know, Julia's 30, but she's, she's the thing with Julia is, Oh gosh, it's going to be weird because she's going to help with this new promotion on get launched before she goes to WWE. That's according to Dave Meltzer, and it's like with her, it's she's basically playing with house money before she leaves because she's going to get a big fat check over. She's probably going to go to NXT and get a get a good good paycheck there. So, um, it's kind of weird because you don't know what the if she gives if Julia, you know, if 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 it's just to be believed that she's close with Suzy Suzuki, um, you know, who's 21, you know, tell her to go with Rossi, it's like, no. Like, you know, you know stay with the money and, and go and, and try to try to be stable. And, you know, yeah, you especially
1: can. if you have the idea that Julia is, you know, doing a blip in the radar to help get things situated, get their feet underneath them, like, it's it's kind of the same thing, you know, it's the, the WCW thing. It's like the people who jump over initial help, like, set things up, but then the big stars come in later when they need more bumps and more new people coming in. Like, someone like Suzu would be better off to wait, you know, and, and come in after Julia leaves. And they need some, you know, they need a new hit after, you know what I mean? After the star is off of the, the initial wave. So, yeah, like. I agree with you not only in the short term stick with the money stick with the money kid right now but it's also like you'll be a bigger star if you come in later by yourself than you will be if you come in now with everybody else
2: right right and but with going back to Rossi just um I don't, I really don't know if it's if he's manipulating or he's just really he really cares about them I, I don't know but what Alex said before, in terms of um, the saying with the hammer being nailed down, I heard actually heard that yesterday, because Karen Peterson did a, a, a Twitch stream yesterday, and she used to work in Japan, um, being a teacher and doing other stuff in the private sector, and she said, yeah, it's basically, basically like that, um, and... Basically, basically basically, what Alex said, like, it's, it's kind of, kind of BS, you know, <laughs> a lot of that stuff. So, yeah. um, but, but yeah, like,
4: well,
2: yeah. um, oh,
1: I was just gonna, I don't know if you have anything, were you finishing up what you're saying?
2: No, 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 you, you go ahead.
1: Oh, I was just gonna say like, talk about, that was the, kind of the next thing I wanted to get into. You mentioned it and it. You know, it was a good thing. Like, who's going where? Who do we see staying? Who do we see going? And we get a relatively fresh announcement as we're recording here Um, for the uh, new beginning in Sapporo. Uh, new Japan has added a IWGP Women's Championship match with Mayui Watani taking on the challenger of Mina Shirakawa. Yes. we talk yes. about... Go ahead.
2: No, I was saying Stardom made that announcement on Sunday yeah. during the pay per view.
1: Yeah. yeah, and they just sent it out on the New Japan Twitter. They announced it. Um, and you talk about who's going where. Mayu, like you know, Mayu's the one person that people say, oh, she has a longer term contract because of the movie coming out about her life. Mina, we talk about Mina and her connections to not only like you know the new or the new faction that she just started um where she's like in a weird relationship being the co-leader with the champion the main champion um she's also got her connections to unagi she's also got her connections back to cyber fight being someone who started in tjpw right uh does is she, would she be interested in going back to something like that you know like these are the kind of matches now that would be like oh whatever It's also, it's already strange enough, like, oh, why is New Japan putting a a stardom match on their show? Randomly. But, like, who is moving? Who is doing what? What's going on here with the dynamic of the championship now matters? And it also speaks to the stuff with Tony, with TK, tweeting out how happy he is that Rossi is going. Like, we've all been sitting here thinking... New Japan is disrespectful to the women. They don't want to book them. Oh, you know, AEW, Tony Khan must just not be... He doesn't really care. He does such a bad job booking his women's division. That must be why he doesn't care about booking stardom wrestlers. But we look at this stuff and you go, okay, Rossi's out of power. And now we're getting a women's match on the next, you know, on a pay-per-view coming up. Like, and Tony Khan seems super excited now at the idea that he's open to being able to book stardom wrestlers is there something to the idea that like stardom wrestlers weren't getting booked in other places because rossi was kind of blocking it
2: um so that's the thing and i kind of told you guys in private what i found out um through the observer board um it's basically a tale of miscommunication by both like um i know dave reported that there was a match with chris statlander that was that I found that out last year, and that was supposed to be remember when the, the Tam Kyrie Tokyo Dome show took um, yeah. the match at the Tokyo Dome. That was supposed to be Statlander versus the IWGP women's champion. So, um, the thing was is that Stardom actually reached out. This is from from source from that side, from the Stardom side, right. so they, they reached out to. to AEW and someone in AEW said well TK will get back to you and TK never did. So um that's that's what the story was. Don't know for sure. Um that's just one person's story. So maybe that's bad for me just sure. saying because I'm not a drillist but um yeah, yeah. but but Dave can Dave confirmed it on in the Observer, like in on the Observer website that there was that there was going to be a stat line match, so yeah, um, but that was no surprise to me. Um, and basically, they just don't haven't gotten in touch with each with each other. It was basically just miscommunication throughout, and um, basically that's why you know you didn't see the Stardom, cr- you know, crossover with with uh, with AEW. It wasn't. It wasn't I, mean, I didn't feel like it was out of malice it was just like they've just never got deep into right. discussion yeah
1: yeah it was just a kind of a frosty relationship
2: yeah or, or I mean frost I don't know if it was frosty but it was just like it wasn't really there like it was just yeah. um I don't know it's just it, I just I, I guess they just didn't get things worked out and you know i i think it's on both both sides it's not like tk's the saint you know it's not he's not the saint at all and it's not ross god knows ross he's not the saint either it's just like i feel like they were both just disinterested in it and um you know i know at the the press scrum somebody would ask him i know phil, yeah phil lindsey he did a he did spaces with lyric and with lyric uh, swinton who does um stuff from monthly pro Resu, that magazine, and uh, Alex, your former co-host Sierra, um he did a sp- he did a, a Twitter space with them and he said he asked TK at one of the press conferences about about stardom like working with them and TK said that he was in touch through Rocky which which I would have if I was there I'd have been like so you didn't talk to Gawa at all? Like direct contact with him, not even Sonny Gutierrez, who's his right basically another right hand man for him, or any of anybody around him. Like he didn't talk to President Harada, who was who was the president at the time, Bushir fight, who used to be the president of New Japan for Wrestling. You're only talking to Rocky? Like like <laughs> did you ma- actually make the effort? Like like I don't I don't know. It's just it was just weird weird dynamics between the both of them, but um maybe this could be be a thing
1: and that's always a weird thing because the rocky relationship is it seems good and that's why i say like it's 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 frosty between the relationship with with stardom and and tk is like it it seems clearly like he has a good relationship with rocky and that's why it's helping with stuff like you know the the cmll things but like there is always the weird thing with that guy, the guy who's in that position. And, you know, right now it's Rocky Romero, but historically it's been different people who is just like the, you know, the, the, the Gaijin liaison, where it's like, you're, he's not even really part of the office. You know, like maybe now at this point it's like a little bit more formal, but like historically that guy is not even necessarily actually like, you know, New Japan office guy. He's just like, the guy who they trust and does the kind of the translation and go between. And he's been here and there and all that. And like, yeah, like when that's your main contact point, it does become questionable where it's like, dude, like you should be dealing with like the top business people. Um, So, yeah, like, sorry. I don't know if I cut Alex, if you had anything to respond to before that. Um, Yeah. Feel free.
3: Oh, my thing is, is like Tony Khan owns the company. Why isn't he going through the official, the right. official company channels to contact the people in the actual company of Stardom because Rocky is just New Japan. He's not associated with Stardom at all. He's not even Milano. Like contact Stardom. They they probably have an email. Like email them. <laughs> yeah, we can make we can
1: make something happen. <laughs> like even through Google Translate, at this point, you can make these things work. Um.
3: You have Kenny Omega ask if he can translate. Like, come on. <laughs> yeah, Shida right? is literally, yeah. Shida didn't work with Sardom, but she's a native Japanese speaker. Like, right. come on.
1: Yeah. Well, I mean, Kenny, that was like part of the whole thing. Kenny was like the liaison with the, um, for the Joshis and, you know, for like Joshi wrestling. He was supposed to be the whole thing. Like, yeah, you've got this guy. He's an EVP still, probably. Like, you can definitely make something work. Um, yeah. It's and just... they had.
2: Re- and they had Riho for all that time. Um, right. Yeah. When AEW started, like Riho was coming in to start them and she wasn't doing jobs, which that's that's everybody. That's basically everybody in AEW. Like, I've noticed a trend um, with the yeah. AEW talent. You know, they just don't do jobs. Even even funny, Megan Bain like, didn't do a lot yeah. of jobs. So, yeah.
1: Well, you know, it's one of the coolest things when you talk about that, like, oh, these people who have been under contract and they have them and this and that. like, One of the coolest things to think about and remember is like, you know, obviously there's the Athena ROH run, which is just crazy to think that like Tony Khan subsidizing his big wrestling company that's on TV, like created this space for that. But like, um, Emmy Sankara were like, she had a work visa in America and I don't know what the deal is now, but like to, she had a work visa in America (laughs) For all this time that basically amounted to Tony Khan subsidizing her having this amazing DPW women's title run that just has nothing to do with his product. Like when you really look at it, after all is said and done, she had a couple good matches on AEW TV, But the main thing that she's done for these past like year, year and a half is like be the women's champion on a company that has nothing to do with you. Like it's, it's really fucking crazy when you look at the amount of resources that are being wasted and it is infuriating when you do think about like, oh yeah, this motherfucker's is a billionaire. Um, but I think that's a conversation for another time. I think everyone on this call agrees that, you know, billionaires shouldn't exist and all that, but Jesus Christ, man, like the sidestream thing is just, it's, I'm, I'm really hung up on this right now. Um, just how upset I am about that. Because we we're just talking about all of the wrestlers and all of the resources that he has at his beck and call and like he's just wasting <laughs> this stuff to like subsidize a fucking indie company having a kick-ass women's champion. Ah. Okay. Um reset Forbidden Door. The idea that Forbidden Door this year Like people are already thinking, teasing that we could integrate CMLL into the Forbidden Door thing and doing AEW, New Japan and CMLL as a, you know, a big super show. Would it be prudent? Would it be advisable that now if you have a more open communication or hopefully more open communication with stardom to turn Forbidden Door into a super show with CMLL, New Japan, AEW, and Stardom make it into a weekend? Do multiple shows? Or do we start getting to the point where it just feels like there's so much involved that there's nothing to really sink your teeth into, right? There's no... It's too much to be interested because it just feels like a lot of randomness, right? And it's all just thrown together as opposed to like The past couple of years doing just New Japan and AEW has left a lot of room to be like really interested and feeling like there's something there and it's just like unique, but it's just like it's unique and interesting. And would it go over the top to be throwing in the idea that you're going to have two more promotions involved? Or could it would it be cool to do like a big super thing with everyone involved? Like, I don't know. What, What are your thoughts, Alex, as the as probably the least modern wrestling watcher of the group? What, what do you think about that idea?
3: Um, I, When Forbidden Doors started, like when AEW started, they had that jersey tournament. I thought, you know, connecting with TJPW or Stardom made sense. And with, you know, supposedly, reportedly, Monet coming to AEW, a former IWGP women's champion, it would make sense that maybe we try this again to communicate with stardom and try to have stardom talent come over for Forbidden Door. Uh, because as a Joshi wrestling fan, I felt like whenever a new promotion starts in America, it's always like the easiest way to make yourself different from WWE is to have a good women's division. Like TNA's knockout division used to be the reason why I watched TNA back in high school, because it was good. You had Awesome Call and get gail kim and that whole roster was actually wrestling you want to make yourself different from wwe you just put some level of effort into your women's division and that's where i felt disappointed with AEW. we had the joshi tournament and like i was never high on Hikaru i'm not a tjpw fan i like ryo mizunami but i feel like it's been underwhelming and it hasn't been able to reach its potential and i think a lot of people would appreciate if we got like joshi wrestling presented on us tv because obviously americans are interested in joshi wrestling look at west coast pro look at gcw having tjpw over stardom's coming over for shows like people want to see good joshi wrestling i think aw would benefit from trying again and bringing over good joshi wrestlers
1: yeah i completely agree with everything you said there um jay what do you think about uh, the idea of doing a quad branded Forbidden Door and the idea that we've got they've got all in back as like a brand as like the big super show in England. But what if you did a weekend around Forbidden Door? Because people were saying that was like the tent pole AEW show. Could you do two nights of Forbidden Door four brands and really deliver something special over the weekend?
2: Um I mean you could. Um it's just that like I've been watching Collision lately and like Rampage, not so much Dynamite, but um and they're giving time and they're slowly building the women's division back up. Like Serena Deevs back. Um you have Mariah May, you have Queen Aminata, like she's on every show, Queen Aminata, And rightfully so, she's actually good. Yeah. She's um,
1: fantastic. I I hate to say this because, especially because it feels like I'm just comparing two black women to each other. But Queen Queen Amanada feels like she delivers on what a lot of people expect from Trisha um, Trishadora. Like I hate to say that, but it's just it, that's where I'm at right now.
2: I could mm, I could see that the star yeah.
1: power. Yeah, like Trish is really good in ring, but Queen Amanada has the star power.
2: Gotcha. Okay. Yeah. I could, I could see that. Yeah, I could see that. Um, but yeah, like like she's on there. Like Trisha Dora, she's signed... I mean, she's not signed, but she's part of ROH. Um, yeah. But you have them, you have Lady Frost, you have um, Thunder Rose's back. Um, it's like slowly but surely they're, they're building it back. But um, like Alex said, like you can... Distinguish Yourself and they have Rampage and Collision like there Um if they do Forbidden Door and if because I think what last year Forbidden Door was on a, was it on a Saturday or a Sunday I'm trying to remember but it was, I th- if, it was a Saturday it was a Saturday so they yeah. then they must have moved Collision to the day before because I remember Naito was on on the, on Collision I remember that happening yeah, because nights was on collision, and, and Swerve Strickland faced Tanahashi, and, and Tanahashi almost killed himself. Um, so, yeah, I I think if you have that, you you have two hours there. You have an hour rampage. Might as well just turn what TNA used to do with the knock knockouts knock knockdown only, you know, pay per view show. Like you can actually put put them on TV. Um, your women's division just book a whole. Hour of women's wrestling, and and do what WWE doesn't do, you know, or two hours, you know, just to have faith in 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 the women that you employ and say like, here, just so kick ass matches in front of Forbidden Door to give everybody a, a taste of what's going to happen, you know, on the on the pay per view, you know, they're probably I, you know, with TK is probably going to have one women's match, you know the and it's funny because the last two Forbidden Doors, you've only had one women's match on the show and it's not like it's it's self contained in Ring of, in a not Ring of Honor on in AEW. It's not like Ymasha right. is coming over to face Thunder Rosa. It was like Tony Storm versus Thunder Rosa. And like um last year was what, Athena versus Billy Starks? Like so yeah, like I I don't know. It just really just depends on what they want to do. But if I was in charge, um Shoot like the, the collision and rampage. Those are for the women on that weekend, right? Or yeah. or you know one of one of those shows. You know that's that's what I would do.
1: There's definitely space for it. Well, I mean, the collision has been really good consistently. Um, It's been like it's a mix. If, if there's like a really good episode of Dynamite, it can like out it can outcut Collision, but it's like Collision like probably has the better average. So yeah, you definitely have room to like make it the workhorse show. And and at this point, I think we've talked about it enough on here. Like some of the biggest workhorses in wrestling are, you know, Joshi wrestlers, especially from, you know, stardom marvelous. There's plenty of places that you can pull really big time, you know, workhorse wrestlers um, from the Joshi scene. So put them on collision for that week and have it be, you know the the workhorse episode of tv to to prep you up for a big ass pay-per-view and that's i think part of the thing that that's missing is like as you said it feels like he's like oh i got to get a women's match on the pay-per-view it's like no just like let it be its own thing and that's fine it doesn't have to be you know like that it doesn't have to be forced one onto the pay-per-view like no like let that be separate whatever um either way it feels like slightly rambling there um I don't know if there's any other I I want to, you know, I kind of tease talking about, like, who who do you think comes and goes? What do you know about, like, their relationships and all that? Like, I don't know if that's necessarily super interesting to talk about, but it it is something that crosses my mind. Right. Um, But I guess we should, like, wrap it up ish. Um, Alex, before we go, is there anything that, like, you would be upset if you didn't talk about before we leave?
3: I just want to say this whole situation is not the pro wrestling Noah HAPW situation. This is a remix of the 1997 AJW exodus. Notice 1997 is before the year 2000. Rossi Agawa has done this before. There have been more exoduses in Japanese wrestling than just pro wrestling Noah and HAPW. The real pro wrestling NOAH AJPW situation would have been when Rumi Kazama got fired. Shinobu Kandori left with Rumi and JWP imploded and they created LLPW because that was a wrestler led promotion. Rumi Kazama became the first female president of any wrestling promotion in Japan, which is crazy to think about that. That only happened in 1992. And, You should take note that a a wrestler's led promotion, one of the first things they did, they instantly got rid of the three ban rules in AJW of no dating, no drinking, no smoking. Those did not exist in LOPW because it was led by the wrestlers who were frustrated by JWP, by the booking decisions, by the management, by the lack of pay in JWP, like, Rumi Kazama kept voicing her opinion, it kept getting louder, and they fired her. And then Shinobu Kandori said, you fired my friend, I'm leaving. And when those two leave, they're like, well, I don't give a fuck about Jackie and what she has to think. I'm leaving with Kandori and Kazama. That is the pro-wrestling Noah HAPW comparison between men's wrestling and Joji wrestling. This situation is just RCN 2 remix. 3-mix. And for the wrestlers, I hope is not the same ending as R.C.N. Though it would make me laugh personally if this blows up in Rossi O'Gal's face again. <laughs> I guess that's all I'm gonna say. Uh, learn some he history. Has it coming. Just learn no. history. I was, uh,
2: the, yeah. I was about to bring up the I was about to bring up the JWP L.P.W. Thank you, Alex, for bringing that up like that. This is what it it kind of feels like because. With, with AJW, they with, A- with all Japan women's wrestling like that was just people weren't getting paid you know so that's why that's why people were leaving left and right um like it didn't ha- like it all didn't happen in ninety seven like people started leaving as early as ninety five with bull and and uh, Akira Hogato. like they just weren't getting paid enough and so, Kauru
3: left too in ninety five to go to Gaea
2: yeah yeah well. Well well Carol, wait. Oh
3: wait, was it ninety five?
2: I think God. she left I think she left earlier because um she went to Universal. She went to Universal Lucha Libre. She followed Grand Hamada to uh Universal Lucha Libre. Again, oh. you talked about you talked about the male <laughs> the the male figures. Like, it's it sucks. It sucks that <laughs> these women have to follow the men. But yeah, like she followed uh and and her daughter his daughter Zoctio um to Universal because she she used to work Mexico a lot. So um and then she she was doing like some she came back and did some like she was kinda of like permalance with all Japan women and then that's when she jumped to all Ultra to uh Gaia. Yeah. So um but it's weird with Gaia now I'm remembering they had a female president um maybe she stepped down because i remember remembering guy girls like the, the yeah the, the president came in because like when they closed down they had a male president at the end which i forgot his name but i'm i'm trying to figure out where did she go like like yeah, she was very front-facing yeah
3: because i don't think i see her ever again in Joshi wrestling
2: yeah yeah i'm trying to remember what what was her name uh um it's a good question yeah but like that promotion, it was just it was very. She was very front facing, and she was, gosh, like, yeah. She has to be one of the few like women executives in wrestling, like, because um, you look at the landscape now. Like, Taro Okada, he, he's president of Bashara Fight, which is stardom. You know, Ross is going to do his own thing. Um You koda over at TJPW, that's another guy. Um
3: AWG's led by man.
2: Yep. Yeah. Um Ice Ribbon. I know they just got it sold, but um that was another guy running now. Yeah. I forgot his name, but it was like the parent company was Neo Plus and then they sold it. Um but to,
3: they sold to uh, Rebellions.
2: Yeah, yeah, because they do that um Rebellions does like Like e gaming and like have like a basketball league or something, but um they have male they have male office there too. So I guess Shigusa Nagayo's the only one there, and even though there's like I don't know I don't know what their their backing is, but she's very front facing, so it feels like she's actually running it because you know she's she's been going back and forth, you know, flying to the west coast West Coast Pro um and doing stuff there so um i know she wants to open like a like a dojo in in america um but like seedling there was rumors that a guy was running it but i don't know it's like they're just just doing whatever they're running a shoestring budget budget um but yeah like there's not a lot of women actually running women's wrestling in japan even though there's so many women's promotions
3: It would be, I think, Gami and Wave. She actually owns. Uh, she owns Zabun. Um, I don't know about LLPWX. Like, that's a weird situation that that's still a company, but um,
2: they run the LLPWX runs like once every two years or something like that.
3: but I mean, hey, they have multiple rookies now, so I can't talk that much shit about them. True. (laughs) Uh, yeah, it's weird. For as popular as women's wrestling was, another weird thing about Joshi Wrestling, unlike men's, it's been mostly a family-run industry. Like, the first Joshi promotion was run by family. HWW or AJW is run by family. And then it's not until 1986 that you get a bunch of businessmen, but they were businessmen. The producer of, the guy who eventually creates AKB48, he was involved in JWP because they were so obsessed with trying to attract fans. It, like the little joke back in the day was like, the reason why JWP has male fans is because all the women Joshi fans go to AJW. So there's no one left but men. So they hired the guy that would eventually create AKB48. It's like, can you help us get popular? And so they whip up Rumi Kazama's idol song deal. They create the idol pro- image for Rumi Kazama. And that's kind of why you see, like, JWP, QD, Su- QD Suzuki, and, like, Mayumi Ozaka. Mayumi Ozaki become, like, the first, like, sexy idol wrestlers versus AJW still riding the wave of the Crush Gals at the time.
2: Hmm. Was that the same guy, like, um, or what? did he come Or is this a different guy? He's got the glasses... Um, I'm forgetting his name, but he had the glasses and he was like almost like a little shrimp. Um, you know, cutting promos um during during the AGW JWP stuff. He had glasses, he had-
3: that's a different guy. He was okay at some point president of JWP project. But the original JWP was a bunch of like businessmen, and like you said, they get the guy who eventually creates AKB 48 to try and get like the idol fans because AJW is killing that market and they're trying to compete. But then they just end up with a bunch of male fans because, like people jokingly said, that's all who was left. All the women were at AJW shows.
2: Gotcha. Okay. And it's ironic because AKB48, they were really involved in Tofu Pro Wrestling, the, the yep. television show with TV Asahi. <laughs> and you have that, and it's funny because Milano was they like that that TV project was f- interesting because they heavily relied on um behind the scenes stuff with Mima Shimoda, Hiroya Matsumoto, and Milano. But I think um, who's was, who's was the real trainer? Um, Dragon Geek guy, um, Tim, he was you just you guys just reviewed you and Quentin just reviewed the match uh, maybe a month yeah. or two ago. Um, in that ice, in the ice, it was the match that she had to buy in the ice ribbon. Um, oh, ice ribbon dojo. Oh, what is his name? Um, yeah, I'm
1: completely I, blanking. I'm trying
2: to remember. Yeah, I'm, I'm blanking. It was former Dragon Gate guy. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, um, I'm trying to remember, but yeah, as I stole for time, yeah, like that. Like, you had that, no. and...
1: What? Oh, no, no, I've, I'm like, you don't have to worry about stalling for time, I guess, is what I was trying to say. Don't, anyway, you like, vamp, I don't know if you're trying to look it up, or if you want me to try to find it, I... I but yeah, I... I uh, sorry, anyways, I'm remembering this, because yeah, he, like, did the return thing in Dragon Gate that we just reviewed recently. Um,
2: Sorry. No, no, no. There's there's no worries. Uh, yeah. But you have that, and he was the real trainer. And it's funny because I'm looking on the on the wiki page now. I totally forgot Yuki or I was part of the show,
4: <laughs>
2: and now she's on on TG- yeah. PW So, so it's it's kind of in big full circle how this thing works um, in terms of you know marking idol idol crowds and getting certain fan bases to watch because um Alex did you ever see those those shows like the live the live shows of um, tofu pro wrestling where they put on pay-per-views
3: oh I absolutely did not watch that
2: <laughs> um because it's funny because um Nyla Rose and Nyla Rose was on the TV show on one of the episodes I think she was named Debbie Kong um but on the live show they did a cork, they did cor- they sold out Cork and Hall again mostly men in the audience so take that for what you will um i think it's just it's idle thing in ja- in the japanese culture but um jordan grace and nada rose they were a tag team in one match um against against one of the, uh, two of the 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 uh, cast members on the show and actually did a match and then like on another show, Aja Kong was brought in, but she was like um being she was not painted up, she was like more being Erica. Um so it was it was just it's just a weird dynamic of what um like when you mentioned like the creation of AKB forty eight, like those members were into were into this wrestling show. I'm surprised they didn't get picked up again. Um so but but yeah, it's just it's so weird how like You know, I'm glad Alex is here on this call just reminding me of this stuff like time's of, it's basically time's a flat circle and everything comes from full circle and we have to we have to let people know like this stuff doesn't happen on accident. People are people are gonna try this shit like all the time. Whether it's Rossi, uh reformative promotion or or the guy from A K B forty eight that formed it, he's gonna try his shot at wrestling. Yeah. Yeah.
1: We're doomed to repeat it, as they say. Um, Before we close out, I guess I I, I tried to give you guys the open-ended, you know, anything you want to say before we leave. Before we close out, I guess we should do like plugs, talk about stuff. Um, I do another podcast about like politics and things. It's called Heat Death of the Universe. We're actually um, doing pretty good. You know, people are talking about it. Um, If any of the people who listen to this are interested in politics and things, they should definitely check it out. Um, Alex, uh, we should plug, obviously, Violent People. It's a new website. And (laughs) if you're listening to this, you probably know about it, but at the same time, like, because we because we, like, took all of the old stuff from the We Don't Know Wrestling feed and made it into this own thing, I guess there could still be some scragglers from the old feed that have not transitioned over, so you should check out Violent People, the website, the the, the Discord's poppin', the Twitch streams with uh, Tanner, all the, everything that's going on there. Um, I guess, Alex, if there's anything you want to plug before we head out for the evening, or I guess I should've, I, I felt like I, I tried to give you the chance to say any last things, but if you Really have anything else you want to talk about before we head out? Uh do that now. Plugs, and if there's anything else you want to talk about before we go.
3: Um, I'm on Twitter at Noahs underscore savior. Um, I did a politics podcast last year on Against Japanism, and I make brief mention of Joshi Wrestling, but I mostly talk about um capitalist urban development in Western Japan and the talk review, which is halfway related to Joshi wrestling. I am moving the Better Barabara Attack Boom to the Violent People audio network. So whenever I finish reading my books and make an episode about <laughs> the manga, The Rose of it will be on the Violent People audio feed. Um, besides that, I think I said everything I want to say. I'm going to do my general please learn some history. Um, when talking about specific wrestling scenes like Joshi or Lucha Libre, take the time and reach out to people that actually know their stuff. Because, like, I started my little Twitter thread because I was listening to the, um, I was listening to the post-wrestling little clip about it, and I was just like, no, no, that's not it. That's not it. There's more to it than that. I need to just put it out there. Um, yeah, I know about 70s, AJW, I guess the most of anyone in the Anglosphere, which is weird, um, ask me about yeah. old tag team wrestling Japan. Ask me about the Takaruzuka review because that's related to women's wrestling as well.
1: Yeah, we've uh, reviewed Takaruzuka review on this podcast in the past. Yeah, so, well, yeah.
3: I have subtitles to that show now, so now we can understand Ooh. what's happening. Yep. God damn it. Okay. <laughs> do- yeah. We don't have to go back and do that one again,
1: but if you have a good one with subtitles, we can. We should definitely do another episode reviewing a talker review show. Yeah, yeah. Let let me know the next time you have one that has like good subtitles, so we can actually have an idea. Jay, what do you want to plug? Uh, Did I miss anything that you really want to talk about before we go? Um, and then after Alex leaves, of course, me and you are going to talk about uh, uh NXT Vengeance Day. And we're gonna whoop that trick.
2: Um. Oh yeah, whoop that trick. Yeah, <laughs> like like. I did you hear Wade Barrett on the call for that? Yeah.
1: No, 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 no. I I watched like half of the match. It's it's so bad, dude. Like, anyways.
2: I yeah. I, NXT. Uh, let me don't get don't get started by NXT. Um, you can follow me at the JML underscore on Twitter and Blue Sky. Um, also run. Uh, the Wrestling Observer News, uh, the, rest of the Observer Newsletter Hall of Fame Tracker, um, you know, proud of that. Just counting up um, Hall of Fame votes of public ballots. Um, I know the Observer uh, have have I been on since the ballot, like the Observer results happened, or no? I, uh, I don't think
1: I so. could have sworn we did because we were talking about it, but
2: yeah. But I was glad Beauty Pair got in first ballot. Yeah, yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. hell yeah, yeah. That was the that was the the number one. Like I remember because I was like the first thing I said when the ballot were when the results came out was like, I really can't be mad because like a lot of my arguments were just based around the idea that the Beauty Pair doesn't get in, right? Like I don't have. When they got in, I was just like, okay, f- fuck it. Like, I don't... I I was set up to just be upset about them not getting in. And then I remember being like, okay, the only other thing I have is like Ishii just really doesn't deserve to be in. But it's like, that, I was not that mad about it. Um, But yeah, I swear we talked about it because we talked about... And I, I can't imagine it was separate because we... Like, I remember hearing your voice... But okay. maybe that's just my brain, like you know what I mean. Like, <laughs> I I can't help it at this point. I can hear your voice when I read your read your messages, but I swear I remember us talking about it. But maybe not.
2: Maybe if you want yeah, yeah. So I I'm one half of the Wrestling Reserve Newsletter Hall of Fame Tracker. You track Hall of Fame public ballots on the Hall of Fame and try to get predictions of during the Hall of Fame season of who's going to get in and whatnot. So it's me and Detlef. Detlef does a lot of the heavy lifting. So a lot of credit goes to him. Um, But yeah, I do help and create and grab a lot of, a lot of public ballots, answer emails and stuff like that. So um, with that, but yeah, um, but basically I'm hanging out on Twitter with X, the Ashley Madison app. That's what I've dubbed it as, because it looks like Ash, yeah, like actually a massive website, but I do that, and I'm going to do some more stuff on Blue Sky, but, um, I might get the writing bug again, but I'm really, right now, I'm really, really interested, just, I mean, 2024 has been crazy, um, just with, um, the horrifying lawsuit, um, that was filed against Victor McMahon, and, um, yeah, just that, um, I, I I can't bring myself to watch anything WWE-related anymore just because of what yeah. happened. Um, what happened in a lawsuit and what the outcome's going to be. I mean, that's the thing. It's like... I'll, I'll say it's like... Abuse happens in all, all forms of entertainment, but it's just like... This one's kind of like more horrifying than I thought it would be. Um, it's just... <laughs> oh, God. Um, yeah. Yeah. yeah, so for that, um, Justice for General Grant, um, I will keep saying that, but yeah, like um, that, and you see, see me on Twitter, I'll mostly I'll, a lot of the things I'll be talking about is Yoshi, the business of it, um, I'm also interested in the business of what media is going on, because um, it's kind of affects I'm, my real world work. Um, my real job—I'm trying to figure that out. So, um uh-huh. you have no, 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 no. I don't think I'm in danger per se, but yeah, like I always just keep one eye open on it, and that's fine. Just, just like the business business of like sports, entertainment, and all that stuff and how it intersects. Because, like, when the Netflix deal came, I was just like, "Holy shit!" Like five billion dollars for raw, but then you read the fine print, yeah, and it's it is it's not what it is, and. You know i'm i'm really interested in that and you know you'll see me glued i will tweet non-stop about this uh, stardom um split because um it could go so many ways um if if so many wrestlers leave stardom um this might be the end of stardom stardom might close down um Bushiro might close it down i mean right now i don't think that's going to happen but you never no. know there's about thirty to forty wrestlers on the roster right now. I was counting. I was on the roster page, and it's at least thirty wrestlers that are signed, like to to the promotion. Um. So, but I don't believe that that um all thirty are going to jump, but we will see. Um. There's so many opportunities that I think are not. I think with Japan, it's it's weird because. They're kinda like at times they're ahead of ahead of like the curve in a lot of things, but behind the curve on other things. Like um gosh, I should be closing this wrapping this up, but um just
1: <laughs> no, 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 keep going. No, it
2: just caught it's just caught my attention because like the distribution of it. Um like Amazon Prime in Japan, like I watch a lot of boxing um over the like Naio in a way. Inoue is like the biggest um one of the biggest Japanese sports stars there because he's he's and he's like the biggest boxer there. And in April or no, in May, he's going to fight in the Tokyo Dome. Um and it his fights are usually on Amazon Prime in, in Japan. And in the US they, um, PVC just struck a deal because they got dropped by Showtime's closed, closed down. If people don't know, Showtime closed down, they used to have boxing. Now they're shifting their basically everything to Amazon Prime. Um, so I'm wondering if a wrestling promotion like this new Rossi Ogawa promotion finds a way to get on Amazon Prime instead of you know, to partner up with Cyber Agent, could that be the deal? Um, I know for a fact. Uh the what in Amazon Prime, it's called live it's like it's like called live boxing. And it was it's the production's mostly by the Fuji TV boxing. Um if anybody's watched Fuji TV boxing, um that's the same they use the same production for that at for amazon prime in japan it's almost similar to what you see with uh amazon um in the u.s with the with their thursday night football that is that crew in terms of handling the production that is the nbc um crew it's just people don't talk about it a lot um so um they just you know the on-air talent's not an nbc but like a lot of camera people production people they're they're nbc so um, we could see something similar to that in Japan. Um, like I said, with Ryzen, it's now on Bima. I'm just really interested what what will future hold for for what's going to happen. Also, Sukabon. I've been tracking Sukabon. I'm the only one that's kind of cracked the code and trying to find out what's going on and what what they're trying to do. Um, <laughs> okay.
1: Yeah, I gotta like, get this because I had my theories and we talked about my theories and, and what we both were thinking. So now now I've got you here and you're saying you're cracking the code. Alex, if you want to drop off the call, <laughs> you f- feel free, but we got I gotta get this Suki Bon what what's the what did you crack? What's the
2: not well, not crack but like
1: Sure sure um
2: I felt like I don't know if you guys would keep in with tweets that um, this famous fashion designer Olympia Tan. she is one of the founders of it um I found yeah. that her um her brother-in-law uh, used to work in PR for vice and he's part of sukabon as well um and the Vi- part of vice TV and and he's partnered up with this of I don't know if, do you know this indie wrestler? um, Orion Dove. Have you heard of him? Yeah. He is one of the founders of Sukibon. Oh, okay. Uh, Yeah. So right now they are, I've looked through, I looked through the animation house that they're using and they're trying, they're trying to combine everything to get a TV deal. And, and right now, Like no, like like right now, no TV deal is apart is coming up, but they're going to have a show at LA Fashion Week, um, in March. So they're really sticking around to what the fashion, yeah, the like the fashion things that are going on around the country and and trying to do that. So
1: yeah, that makes sense because I my initial gut, and I think we talked, like I said, I think we talked about it was that I thought this was some kind of play to like see. To test the market and do it in like this weird, egregious way to where like you could just like kind of write it off as like um just you know just AR or whatever. But mm-hmm. it that would be very similar to being like someone who's like trying to do this like artsy thing, or it's like the same thing. It's just like throwing, it's just basically throwing money away. But when you have the connections to the art world, it's the it's really the same thing because they do so much. So much of the art world, like the, the the funding comes just from speculation. So the idea is that you just do like this speculative project to see what could possibly be produced from doing the most grandiose version of the vision, and then you look through the data to like kind of pull out what works and you can actually like transition that into something else. Right. So when they look at it, they go like, "Okay, well, we did all this. We went like above and beyond. And this is what worked. This is what didn't. So now we can refine like to try to produce something that's more based on the on the business metrics as opposed to just based on like, you know, trying to do the most artistic thing. Um, So that's very interesting. I definitely can see I can definitely see uh, how that makes sense. And you did the work. So I definitely trust that you actually found the details there. Um,
2: yeah like it's yeah. not let's just put it to bed it's not like a sex cult ring it's not a money laundering scheme it's just like a bunch of people it's like it's it's an indie wrestler who got hooked up with a pr a, a pr guy that used to work for viceland um they got together and they one of them has a rich wife or or which yeah. sister-in-law excuse me and now they're doing this this crazy project that might make them a bunch of money. We don't know, but they're spending a lot of money. But yeah, it's, I know people were reacting to um, the perfect magazine shoot with with Stray Cat, with, with, uh, who's Tomoko Tim- and Naba, who's like stomping on a, a naked dude's butt. Um, but yeah, like the fashion world's still <laughs> weird too. So
1: yeah,
3: for sure. Um, and it, well, Oh, go ahead. Oh, sorry. I just want to say, no, the Sukkibon thing is interesting because there's a very clear vision with Sukkibon and they very much are not trying to attract hardcore wrestling fans. And I think that's confused and maybe pissed off some wrestling fans that Sukkibon isn't meant for them. It's meant for an actual casual or an audience that isn't familiar with wrestling. And it's like, once I got past that and read JML Sweets and it's like, No, it makes sense. This is a hyper-stylized exhibition of wrestling focused on the fashion art world, and that makes sense. Because also, once upon a time, AJW was so in tune with youth and youth culture, they had an official goods store in Harajuku, and Harajuku is considered one of the meccas for subculture and youth culture in Japan and for streetwear internationally. So yeah, having a fashion designer come into this weird world of wrestling and creating this highly stylized version of wrestling for the art world it kind of just makes sense and I think people upset about Sukuban are just upset that there's a wrestling product out there with wrestlers they know but it's not meant for them
1: yeah which is (laughs) it's always upsetting for the wrestling fans to see something that looks like wrestling and and think that it's not for them. Um, Well, (laughs) again, I appreciate you guys, you know, coming on, having this insanely long chat. It's not that long, but having this deep, inflective chat with too much, uh, too much detail. People need to listen to this multiple times. I like to listen to podcast on 3x speed. I think most of you people should be listening to this at like 0.3 speed. You have to go back through and comb through the details on this podcast. Um I always have a tough time closing out episodes um uh, because I don't have like a, you know, a closing thing to say, but I thought about it as we've been talking and I I think I think I came up with my great closer for when I'm hosting the podcast without J or without Quentin, um and I hope Jay appreciates this, but I just uh I will say that like now more than ever we need a hero. We need a real hero. Ooh.
4: i <laughs>